and during some of the toughest times, I have a little piece of paper in my wallet that I keep all the time, even to this moment, uh, of different things that I that mean to me, different sayings that mean a lot to me, uh, things that I strive for, recognizing my responsibility to give back. Reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold. Two days after my second injury, my dad flew out to Indiana and we drove home. Went right up to my room, slept for a day, and then I woke up the next morning, I spray painted my wall. No quitting me. I remember, you know, there is no quitting me and I won't, you know, I won't give up. The number one thing you gotta remember is you're transferring energy. And whatever energy you got is the energy the viewers are going to have. You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life. Now... Let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, or welcome to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I'm Brian Levinson. So excited to have you with us today. We have an amazing guest, and I'll get to him in a moment. But just a quick intro on who I am, since I know some people probably have not listened to this podcast before. So my name is Brian Levinson. I work as a mental performance coach where I help all kinds of performers. So some are in sports, some are in business, and we try to craft an ideal mindset for them that allows them to unlock their potential. So I love what I do for a living. And as a result, I fired up this podcast with a simple mission in mind. How are people intentionally setting their mind to be their best? So a lot of my work is around how are they setting their mind? What are they doing to develop the mental toughness that can allow them to be successful in whatever craft they're in? So that's what we aim to unpack here, and we sift for intentional gems for you, the listener. So awesome to have you guys with us today. And before we get started, just want to tell you a simple way that you can help support the podcast. Obviously, you're already doing it by listening. Uh, so thank you for coming here and listening to the podcast. But you can also go over to patreon.com backslash intentional performers. And that's a very simple way to subscribe to the podcast. You can give $10 a month. And it really does help us out as we continue to try to build this thing out, make it as professional as possible, and bring the best possible guests to you, the listener. So once again, go over to patreon.com backslash intentional performers and help us out. Okay, now for today's guest. So today's guest is Mitch Aguiar. Mitch is a former Navy SEAL. He was with the SEALs for 10 years and is currently an MMA fighter. Uh, He was an amateur and recently went pro. So he is in the arena, both physically in cages around the country, but he's also been in the arena overseas and been in hostile, rugged environments where your mentality and your mindset really does dictate a lot of your decision-making. And so he'll talk about the mindset that was crafted and created in the SEALs. He also will talk about BUDS and what that was like going through that training and what his mindset was like. And he has a mantra that his mindset is everything. And that has led to an apparel company. So you'll find out very quickly that Mitch is an entrepreneurial spirit and he likes autonomy. So we're going to talk about how that juxtaposition worked 
within the military, but he has a website, masfapparel.com, where you can get these really cool shirts that talk about mindset is everything. Uh, and Mitch is not somebody who minces words. He speaks his mind. He speaks in truth. And he believes that his mindset is what allows him to craft his body, to sharpen his body, to fight. Um, he prepares like crazy for MMA fights. Uh, I got connected to him from Kyle Maynard and Jeff Gum, and Kyle produced a video with Mitch that shows Mitch cutting weight and the physical and mental challenges that come with that. So he is on it when it comes to where the mind and the body meet. And anyone that believes that mindset is everything is someone that I really enjoy chatting with. So Definitely check Mitch out on Instagram. I'm sure a lot of you that are listening to this already do. But for those of you that don't, his handle is Mitch underscore Aguiar. And you can check out his website, masfapparel.com. We'll put it in the show notes as well. So you can hopefully buy some shirts from Mitch. And he is just an intentional performer. So excited to share Mitch with you. My Twitter, which is where I post a lot of my content, is at Brian Levinson. And then Instagram, the show is at intentional underscore performers. But without further ado, I'm just so excited to share Mitch with you. And before we do that, just a heads up, A, a lot of profane language in this. So if you're listening with kids in the room and you don't want them to hear it, uh, please take note. And B, you're going to notice that this conversation just begins. So I want to paint the picture for you a little bit. Mitch and I were talking about Instagram and social media in general. And Mitch has posted a lot of content on, on social media, specifically on Instagram. So the conversation starts with Mitch explaining why he does that and what is going on there. So uh, what he is going to be referencing when this conversation starts is Instagram. So without further ado, I'm excited to present to you, Mitch Aguiar. Been been able to reach and help, you know, people just that, that I would have never met before without it and, you know, never interacted with these people or been able to help them in any way. And, you know, I just have received thousands and thousands of messages on you know anything from as little as hey I, I lost five pounds or whatever or I got motivated and started hitting the gym again to you know like I was suicidal and um you know now I'm not so that that's the range you know but it, it's pretty powerful and uh awesome to kind of just witness <laughs> yeah I think I need of. to get it in my head that you know, the, the content that you put out there, if it's good content, it can make an impact on people's lives. And that's, that's a completely different way of thinking about it than I think the way that I currently think about it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just having a mind shift about what the purpose of it is. And when I get to interview people like you, it's, I get, I get so much out of it, but then the reward for me has been other people saying, man, I really enjoyed this conversation with this person or that person. And when I get those notes or those emails or in person, um, yeah, it's motivating. It's completely <laughs> fulfilling and motivating. Fulfilling, Yeah. That's the right word. And, and that's, you know, people ask me all the time, um, what, what, it, what's like your greatest accomplishment or what do you think is that? And, uh, you know, it might sound silly to a lot of people that, that don't really understand, but I tell them my, my Instagram following and, um, and my platform. And that's, that's exactly why is because for like the first time in my life, I've actually felt fulfillment, you know, receiving these messages from random people that 
I would have never encountered or, or come across and known and, you know, and I'm having a impact on their lives in a positive manner, you know, and, uh, it's, it's just something that you, money can't buy. I don't care how much money you have in the world. Like you're not, you can't buy that. Do you think it's getting the message? Is it the, like the dopamine effect of getting that message and feeling that knowing I impacted that person? Because I would imagine when you're a seal, you're fighting for something bigger than yourself. You're fighting for freedom. Um, but you're not getting, it's not as personal. Yeah. The personal, you're not getting me after you guys go on a mission and do something amazing. You're not getting me sort of this ordinary citizen. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, saying Mitch, man, you saved my life or you helped me. And it's not as tangible. How do you, how do you think about it? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely more of a personal feel, obviously, you know, um, but like being being a seal you know I, I i got to go to afghanistan and and um you know fight in that war and you know and i'm proud of that and i'm proud of kind of doing the small part that i did to you know move towards the that bigger picture or whatever but yeah personally um and this is just my personal opinion it it just seemed like it was not really um to me i was just like what what what's the point of this honestly i mean i'm not concerned about fighting the taliban over here who are like these poor essentially gang members you know is like the closest thing i can compare it to over there you know and it's like these these people in in no way will ever make it over to you know, America and hurt the people that I love and care about. So it wasn't as, I guess, personal or, or something, but yeah, it's, you're, you're part of the bigger picture and you're, you know, you're a small part of it. And, and it takes a lot of obviously those small parts to, to equal the big picture. And I don't know, like personally, like I, I, I think there's so many, issues here in America and here at home and, and dangerous and bad people here, like in our own backyard that I would much rather hunt those people down, you know, and eliminate them rather than doing it in a foreign land. So let's walk back a little bit. So when you initially were a part of the SEALs and you get through BUDS, what was driving you at that point? Where were you finding fulfillment? What was the motivation at that point? I would say it was more of more of like just a personal challenge and the competitiveness in me, you know, taking on such a a big challenge, uh, you know, of going through Navy SEAL training and becoming a Navy SEAL because I, I had never wanted to be a SEAL. I had never I had no intentions of that. You know, I didn't know anything about them when I had joined and uh uh, the only thing I knew was, oh, yeah, these guys are the best of the best. And, you know, the training is considered the hardest on the planet. So I was just kind of looking at that as the challenge, you know, as as I wasn't really looking at the the bigger picture past that. You know, I was looking more at the 
immediate challenge in front of me. There's cool science around this notion of when you view things as a challenge versus viewing them as a threat, that when we view things as a challenge, we can go toward it and come up with solutions to try to be successful with it. But when we view things as a threat, um, we tend to freeze like deer in headlights and uh, often that impacts our ability to perform. I would love to get your thoughts on challenge versus threat because you were dealing with that on a regular basis. Um. Well, that, I mean, that kind of sounds like fight or flight to me. Um, and I I don't think I've ever encountered like a deer in the headlights uh, reaction. It, I've always had the fight mentality. So I don't know. Any I, idea where that comes from for you? Um, probably, probably my childhood, honestly, uh, if I, if I had to guess, I had a really, really, I was super blessed to have a, a good childhood. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying like it was like Mr. Rogers growing up or anything like that. Like I, I came from a divorced parents and, uh, went bounced back and forth in different states and moved around a lot, went to a, diff, a ton of different schools. Both of my parents were in the military. And um, What did they do in the military? Uh, my dad was a combat cameraman uh, attached with SEAL Team 6, and uh, my mom was a operations specialist. And I, don't, I honestly don't really know what What does do. a combat cameraman <laughs> do uh, with, with the SEAL teams? I'm just ignorant to it. So basically they um, – in my experience, they've they've come with us on our training and taken pictures and you know for the Navy, and uh, they'll they do different documents or documentaries and stuff, whatever whatever the Navy requires of them, and they basically just follow us around and take Do- pictures. They're documenting what's they, going on. Yeah, but they you know they can they can jump and dive and all that stuff. So it's pretty pretty cool job. Cool. And parents were divorced. When did that happen? Uh, I don't even remember them being together. You don't? Yeah. I think it was like when I was like two or three. So was that just your normal? It wasn't like a... Yeah. I didn't... I wasn't impacted by it at all. It was just... It's all I knew. And what are their personalities like? What what are they like from a human standpoint? Um, My dad is, is definitely more militant and my mom is more of like a free spirit... Um, super loving and uh they've they've both been super loving and supportive and encouraging and so that's that's why i say like i I was blessed i i feel um in my childhood to you know i never i always felt encouragement and support you know i never they never told me oh you can't do that or it was always like believing in me and um you know I I've watched like home movies and stuff of me as a kid and and my mom would, you know, put me up on the coffee table and have me sing Mary had a little lamb or whatever and and when I was singing she would, you know, clap and encourage me and tell me how good I was and you know, so I I think that confidence you know, I, uh I was I was blessed and fortunate enough to have parents like that who who always encouraged me and, and, you know, my dad was my football coach and, you know, he was involved with, uh, heavily involved with sports and, and, and both my mom and my dad are, are both really competitive and people and, you know, just always pushed me to also, you know, do my best. And, 
and just be the best I can be. So um, I think honestly, a lot of it comes from that. Are you more like mom or dad? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm my own person for sure. I took the things I liked about them and, and used it and took the things I didn't like and I don't use, I'm not so like that. <laughs> probably like a blend and then you yeah, have your own, for sure. your own stuff as well. Yeah. It's always interesting. Cause when I ask that question, some people say, yeah, I'm exactly like mom or I'm exactly like dad. Yeah. No, um, not at all. Yeah. What values, but it sounds like competitive, confident. Um, what are other values or even morals that, that they pass down to you? Um, being, being a good person, you know, like right and wrong that that was definitely instilled in me. Uh, manners, you know, please and thank you and being respectful. Like that, that's always been a, a, a big part of growing up with me. And, um, I, I don't know, defending, like definitely defending those that cannot defend themselves. And, um, you know, my, my little brother growing up, he was a year younger than me and he was, he was fat growing up. And, uh, you know, they told me, Hey Mitch, like your brother is going to get picked on in school. And, you know, I don't care if you're in the principal's office, the cafeteria, whatever, if you see someone picking on your brother, you beat their ass like relentlessly in front of everybody and make a statement, you know, that your brother's not to be messed with and you guys stick together because you'll, you're all you have. So, um, and I took that to heart and, and I did, <laughs> you know, growing up and I fought all the time and, and I was, I just, that was instilled in me to be a protector, you know, and defend, defend those that can't defend themselves. And I think that's kind of definitely one thing that carried over into my adult life, obviously being in the SEAL teams that were pretty much that on a global level, you know, for sure. And football, you mentioned, what did you do with football? What position? How? Yeah, I, I played football, um, my whole life, um, as a kid, uh, yeah, I was a quarterback and an outside linebacker. It was kind of weird. Uh, you know, I was always definitely athletically gifted. Uh, you know, I didn't have to really try too hard with that kind of stuff. It came kind of naturally, and and I was, I I was just always really aggressive and and everything like that. So the the more impact, the better. <laughs> and your relationship with your dad when it came to football, what was that like? Uh, it was it was great. Um, I had a great relationship with my dad growing up he was he was someone that I looked up to as a man and like as an alpha male and you know how I wanted to kind of carry myself and uh and then you know he was always super competitive with sports and got super excited when when I did well and competed and and you know he'd always just push me to give my best and that's kind of all I knew growing up so you you have used the word compete or competitive three or four times already. Hmm. I'm curious to get your definition of of what compete means. To if if you and another person or a group of people are after the same thing, you know, you have to outperform them and rise, you know, be the best. I don't know. <laughs> we'll roll with that. And so it sounds like part of the drive for you once you decided to go into the Navy was to go into the SEALs because of the competitive spirit that you had. Uh, you sort of mentioned that earlier. W what was even before 
uh, the decision to go into the SEALs, why even start, why go to the military? How old were you? What, what led to that decision? Yeah. Um, like I said, both of my parents were, were in the, the Navy, um, growing up and, and my dad had talked to me a lot more than my mom about joining the military and thought that it would be a good route, you know, for all the obvious benefits and, and everything like that. And, and I just, I didn't want to be in the military at all. Like that was never a desire of mine. And, and, uh, they kept saying, you know, or my dad, my all through high school, like, yeah, you should look in the military, look in the military. And I was like, nah, it's not for me. You know, I, I just, I don't think I want that. I'm, I'm a little bit more, definitely more of a, of a free spirit, uh, hippie-ish side of me, you know, I just... The idea of conforming and yes, yeah, sir, like and just, that sort of stuff. I don't know, just being told what to do and, like, I, I question things a lot and in the military, it, it that doesn't really go over too well, you know, it's just do as you're told and don't question things and uh, that's just not me. Mm-hmm. So, luckily, I went in the SEAL teams and it's a lot, there's a lot more freedom there and, uh, you know, they just trust your judgment a little more so you're you have a little bit more independence and and freedom in that sense so i think i would have done terrible in the military if i had done anything other than being a seal and uh how old were you when you when you enlisted 18 so you're right out right out of high school and it was funny because uh my friends at the time my senior year you know getting closer to graduation my a lot of my close friends I would say like four of them, they were all, hey, let's join the military. Let's join the military. We can do the buddy program together. And, and I was like, sorry, guys, that's not for me. <laughs> and uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. What were you thinking that you were going to do? Um, at the time, I was doing roofing and construction, and I really, really enjoyed roofing. And What um, did you like about it? I just liked the hard, like physical, like – Labor was good at the end of the like a 10 hour day, you know, because I worked uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and Friday after school, I would I would go meet up with the crew and then Saturday and Sunday we'd work 10 hour days. So, you know, I was working part time, but it it was quite a bit and uh, and it was hot, dirty. You know, I was the shingle bitch. So and, and I was on the crew for three years or something like that. And, you know, I was everyone on the crew was like in their forties and I was, you know, 17, you know, so I was, I was definitely the, the young kid on the crew. But and why, the, why were you doing that? Were you doing that? Cause you wanted to make money? Were yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I've, I've always been like a hustler and, you know, I'm just, I'm going to work and make money. And, and, uh, I liked spoiling my girlfriend at the time. So, <laughs> so you just, were entrepreneurial from a young age. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, since, since I can remember. Um, but yeah, roofing was definitely fun. The The crew that I worked with too. Um, I mean, those guys were just awesome because I don't know. It, it was, it was really cool. Uh, especially one of the guys, uh, his name's Steve Miner. Um, he he mentally prepared me for buds, I would say, because he would harass me so much. And he is one of the like most verbally abusive but hilarious people I've ever met. And uh, 
I mean, he would just constantly just be making fun of me. But luckily, you know, I have tough skin. I don't take shit personally. And and I could I I value humor probably more than anything. And so, you know, people getting offended about this and that, everything, everyone's so oversensitive since so annoying. But I was a kid being harassed for years by these guys and it was just I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And uh it really it helped mold my sense of humor and everything too. And um like I said, I, I think a big part of that got me ready for the abuse at Buds, you know, or the mental games. Like I was like, man, this is nothing compared to what I've been used to. And I have to still do, you know, hot physical dirty labor you know and uh but i i I loved it i looked forward to going to work every day so it was great (laughs) i'm just curious because it sounds like when it was someone that you respected or someone that you maybe looked up to or Mm -hmm. you know if you knew that it was in fun or humor or they're just ball busting or whatever you want to call it you're good with it but then there's this other side of you that you knew from a young age that your younger brother was also going to be picked on um, what are the differences for you in those, in those I think, moments? I think a t- intent, you know, if you have malicious intent or if, if you're, if I know like you're just joking and, you know, uh, you can say offensive, mean things, but if your intent is just, you're just joking, you know, uh, or if you're maliciously trying to, you know, hurt somebody in some manner like that, that, that's all the difference in the world. And, you know, just because like those guys, I knew that they, they liked me, you know, as a person and, and I worked hard with them and, and we worked hard together and would joke, you know, work hard, play hard kind of thing. And, but if some random person like wanted to just like talk shit to me or whatever, that that's a totally different story and ha- would definitely have a different ending. <laughs> like, I think, I think you bring up such a good point because today we live in a society where all words are the same and we often don't pay attention to who the messenger is mm-hmm. and what the intent was. Intent is everything. It's massive. Yeah. And we've lost, we've lost our way a little bit with that because, um, and I think as human beings, we know, like, we can, we're smart enough to know the intent of course, um, and we can listen. And, and if you really listen to the tone, the body language, if you see it, and, and then if you listen to the person explain, well, this was my intent. Um, there's tremendous value in that. And it's, it is an interesting sort of state of the union as I think about whether it's politics or business or tough conversations and, we often don't spend enough time listening to what, what's the purpose, what's the intent, and oh, by the way, and I can still disagree with that. And I think know, that's the big thing yeah. is like people don't seem to understand that it's okay to disagree. Mm-hmm. Like that's the beauty of freedom of speech and, and just freedom in general. We don't have to have the the same opinion and that's okay and i don't have to hate you or get mad at you for that you know it's okay to disagree well and to know when the line has been crossed and i think that's the point that you're making with your brother is like i knew when the line was crossed and now they're a threat to my brother in some capacity and um 
you know, <laughs> like I have this vision in my head almost of Terminator and how Terminator would scan for like yeah. threats and then be like, oh, nope, that's something that I need to take care of. Yep. Uh, not that you're the Terminator or anything like that. Um, Never heard of her. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, all right. So you, you, you're in Buds now and they're, you know, mentally trying to get you ready um, and they're doing things mentally, physically. They're not trying to get you ready for anything. All right, they're, so tell me about it. They're, Buds is a, a weeding out process, and that's all that it is. It's the gate. It's the gateway, you know, to the SEAL teams, and the uh, the Buds instructors are the gatekeepers, and um, and it's a very very important role. And uh, you know, the thing is with that makes the SEAL teams special and what they are is the, the men that, that make them up because, you know, the actual skill sets, shooting, jumping, diving, all these things, I can, you can teach anybody that the, the reason that it's special is because of the individuals themselves. And it's because they've gone through hell and back to, to even start that training. And then you have a group of those people. You have a team of those people who, you know, have been pushed to the absolute limit and you know that they're never going to give up and they're going to give it their all and they're extremely driven and motivated. So when you have that core group of people and then you invest time, money, and, and effort into training them at the highest level, you know, that's when, like the specialness of the seals, you know, shines. Did you know that before you got into it? Did you know it I during? I did not. <laughs> so, I, like I said, I was, I was totally ignorant about the seal teams. You know, I've never read a seal book. I've never, the, I watched uh, Navy seals with Charlie Sheen when I signed up after I signed up to go to uh, become a seal and I remember telling my dad, like, hey, dad, I signed up to be a Navy SEAL. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, because that was like a total shock for him because he had been talking to me about the military and everything. And and I had no intentions of joining. But uh, I was just bored one day and, and a Navy recruiter happened to, you know, come in and was like, hey, you want to join the Navy? And I was like, eh, why not? Mm, whatever. So when, so when you're in it, you are this, as you described, sort of free spirit has have some hippie-ish to you and now you're in it oh, I'm, I'm out now i just i just got out um maybe three months ago sorry i meant back then now you're, oh, yeah. you're in it i'm going into that space in that place um so when you're in it now and they are <laughs> doing their weeding out process is it just your competitive spirit that gets you through or and, and also let me let me actually ask this question i think this is a better question which is when you're in it and and they are challenging you mentally, physically, emotionally. What in what? How did you frame that to allow you to to keep going? What was underneath it? What was driving it for you? Um, I would say competitiveness. Um, you know, and probably probably people's doubt. You know that. This is the hardest military training on the planet and, you know, you're just an 18-year-old kid. Like, you have no idea what you're getting into. What was the age range of the guys that you were going through? I would with? say, I mean, 
I was one of one of I wasn't the youngest guy in my class, but I was you know right right there. And uh, so eighteen to I think the oldest guy in our class was thirty four. And you know, Buds has a the on paper the the cutoff is twenty eight, but you can get waivers and stuff, and and you know guys can go. I believe the oldest guy to ever go through Buds was thirty eight or forty. And and I know he became the honor man, wow. which is it's, and honestly, it's not surprising to me because I feel like I was extremely like immature, um, you know, going through buds. I was physically like I, I was strong and and uh, nothing really bothered me physically in buds or mentally for that matter. But I would say my biggest um, Achilles heel was my immaturity. Emotional, like no, it was more just life, lack of life experience. You know, I mean, can you remember when you were eighteen years old and say twenty five? You know, huge difference, and 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 I I just didn't have that life experience yet. You know, and uh, it was I went straight from high school and and competitive sports and stuff just straight into this. So I just looked at it kind of like that. So this and, is a game. I'm going to compete. Yeah, and I'm gonna kind win. of. And 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 I'm with guys who have wanted to. Most of them wanted, you know, have wanted to be seals their whole life, and they've, you know, that they've thought about it for forever, and they've they been purpose. training for it, and like they know all about the seal teams and and what they stand for, their mission set, all these things, and they, you know, or a lot of people were you know super patriotic and wanted to serve their country and this and that and honestly like none of that was was my uh drive so simply put it was i'm gonna compete i'm gonna go toward it was this a challenge. challenge it was yeah. a challenge and you know and i wanted to take it on and prove that i could do it was there a moment that you had where you thought you weren't gonna make it um I, I would say there's always a little bit of doubt, like just the, you know, that what if little voice in the back of your head or, you know, like it's just you can't look at something that historically 90, you know, 90 plus percent of people who who get there and attempt it fail. And nobody goes to buds with the intention of quitting. So. I I don't know like you know honestly there was maybe slight doubt or I guess doubts the right word you know in in yourself but I had enough self belief to 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 that that voice of self belief was louder than the self doubt can you remember anything intentionally that you would do to help yourself uh, progress and, and keep going? Um, I just, you know, the fact that I told my friends and family that I was going to do this was enough to keep me going. I mean, I, I've never quit anything in my life. And I know that growing up, you know, if I would have quit, I it just was never even an option, especially, excuse me, especially with my parents. I mean, I don't think they would have allowed me to quit anything 
you know, and uh, it just was never an option. So <laughs> I would have, I would have rather just died there. And you know, people say that all the time, but it's one thing to say; it's another to mean it. You know, and I, and I would have rat because I would have rather the instructors, you know, I would have rather dropped dead there and had the instructors call my parents and be like, hey, uh, your son is just an idiot and he ran until he died. <laughs> so sorry about your loss. I would rather that than me call my parents and be like, yeah, it was too hard to quit. What's driving that? Is that fear or something different? Maybe, maybe pride. I don't know, but not like the bad pride. You know, there's, there's a difference between bad pride and good pride. And, uh, I would say maybe just, I don't know, pride. Yeah, I think pride definitely has two coins to it or two sides to the coin. Oh, for sure. Right, I'm too proud to get coached or to get help or right. whatever. But the other side of pride, which is massive, is to me, we well, talk- you can be proud of your son for accomplishing something or whatever, you know, or- It usually involves someone else um, or something else. Um, so I always say like confidence, cockiness, and pride are different. Uh, confidence is belief in myself. Cockiness is believing I'm better than someone. And pride is believing I'm part of something bigger well, than me. I think confidence is instilled over time through uh, overcoming adversity. You know, the harder, the harder something is and you get through it and get to the other side, that that's what instills confidence and the and the more you do things like that you take on these challenges the it just it just compounds and you use your previous accomplishment and you remember that those things that the feelings you had and what pushed you to keep going and and you use it in the uh you know in your next challenge such a cool way to think about confidence which is linking it to overcoming adversity um, but I would go back in your story a little bit. Is, is there a time where that confidence wasn't there and where, um, you know, you hadn't maybe gone through enough adversity. It, it could be childhood. It could be before even seals. Is there a time where you didn't have that confidence to perform or was that just always the self-belief that you talked about earlier? No. And, and again, um, I, I would, I would imagine it stems from my, my childhood and, uh, like I said, you know, my my mom had me up on the coffee table singing and and encouraging me, you know, and telling me I could do whatever I wanted, you know, I believe, you know, whatever you put your mind to, you can do. And my dad the same thing and and just being in I think competitive sports growing up, always, you know, being active, not just it wasn't an option to just sit around and be lazy growing up for me and uh so it's really all i knew man so just i i thank god that that i ha i had a blessed you know childhood i guess so you, you've used blessed you you just said thank god spirituality how did that impact you uh as or how you're when you're going through adversity in general um does spirituality play a role uh how do you think about that a lot more now so than than as a kid as a kid you know I grew up, um, I would say I, I was, a. on paper, I was a Christian, you know, but I didn't really know what it meant. And my, my dad's mom, my grandma there, she was very, um, she's a very devout Christian and, you know, she was, she was always talking to me about God and Jesus and everything. And, 
you know, so I, I, I had somewhat of a understanding, but not anywhere close. You know, it was always just like, oh, yeah, God's up in the sky and watches you and you got to be good, you know, kind of thing. And uh, that was about my extent of my knowledge with religion or anything. And uh, we'd go to church, you know, every once in a while. And it at the time, it was more like, man, we got to go to church, you know, so I got to dress up nice for an hour and sit in this, you know, thing. It was just not very much a big part of my life growing up. But uh, in my early 20s is where I really like kind of came into on my own um, into Christianity and, and learning more of what that means and, uh, taking on a relationship with Jesus on my own. And, and I think that's kind of like people, people need to be, you know, come to it kind of on their own. And I think a lot of people get it forced down their throat and it turns them off. And, and there's just a lot of, there's been a, a ton of corruption and hypocrisy and, all kinds of bullshit with um, religions, all kinds of religions all over the world for, for forever. And it's just because people suck, you know, <laughs> people are corrupt and a lot of the messages are, are good and positive, but, but people find a way to, to twist them into their own, you know, shitty desire or, you know, whatever they're trying to get out of it. There's a thread that I just want to pull on, which is, around fear and fearlessness. And cause what I'm hearing from you is, you know, if I'm, if I'm in buds and you know, the last thing I'd want is for that phone call to be made to my parents or the people that know me that said, Mitch quit. Like there's a fear of quitting and maybe fear is too strong of a word. Uh, but that's the word that I'm coming to. And then, but in this other sense, there's a fearlessness or a self-belief in you that says, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to go toward it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on just fear uh, and, and how fear might have helped you and then how fear fearlessness also played a role as you're going through buds. Hmm. Fear. Uh, I don't know if fear, maybe fear, fear of, I, I don't know. I've never really been fearful of m much in my life. And uh, I don't know. With what you're describing, maybe it sounds more like doubt. And that old saying, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And I think the f maybe the doubt or fear of failing, you know, and that, that is is linked up with embarrassment, you know, and shame, shame more so than fear. So talk about embarrassment and shame. Um, I think I think embarrassment and shame. I th yeah, I think I think that's shame is probably more more so than embarrassment. Um, like I would be ashamed of myself if I quit and I had to tell my parents, tell my family that, that I quit and I, and I failed and, you know, 
but then then you know what is that that's because it it hurts your pride you know so i, I don't know i i guess just not wanting to ever deal with that um is is drive for me and I, and i and i have very you know just last year i i did a uh, a walk across Greece, we retraced the steps of the Spartans. There was 20 of us. And uh, it was the first time that we had, or that it had been done since King Leonidas and the 300 Spartans uh, marched from Sparta to Thermopylae for that epic battle. And, um, and that was probably the hardest thing I've ever faced. And it was, you know, like I said last year, I was already a Navy SEAL, I was already an MMA champion. I had already like accomplished all these things and people had looked at me and, you know, I'd already created my business and my clothing line, which our motto is mindset is everything and don't be a pussy, (laughs) you know? And I went into this, this, uh, challenge very cocky, you know, and I, because of my past accomplishments, which, which like I talked about earlier, those past accomplishments instill confidence, you know, but confidence without humility is cockiness. And, and uh, life has a funny way of humbling you when you need it. And uh, I went into that challenge very cocky and I didn't respect it. I didn't give it the, the respect it, it required, you know, and, um, and I remember halfway through that, I was so destroyed physically and mentally because of I was just like how on earth am I the weakest link here and like this just it's not supposed to happen to me I'm not supposed to deal with this or whatever but it was so valuable to face that and um and I remember thinking like I was 120 miles in and I had 120 miles to go and I was just like, this is, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Like, I I really don't. Like, I had no confidence in my self-confidence, you know, and I was like, holy shit, am am I going to have to quit? Like, and it was such a surreal, like, weird feeling. And it upset me so much. And, like, I was, like, being, I was having an honest conversation with myself and I was like, man, I'm a Navy SEAL, an MMA champion. I'm in phenomenal shape. I have 50, at the time, 50,000 followers on Instagram who look at me as a source of motivation and the mindset is everything guy. The guy that says, just do it, suck it up, don't be a pussy, get it done, you know, like you can do it. And I'm not doing it. I'm failing miserably. And uh, I was like, holy shit, this is not good. I'm, I'm a fraud. You know, if I, if I can't do this, how the hell am I, how am I supposed to lead by example and tell people they can do it and suck it up? But I'm not, I'm not, you know, practicing what I preach. And I felt like I'm like how am I going to tell all these people I quit and like is there a way I can spin this to where like you know 
it's more of a lesson learned and it's not like a failure. And, and I was just like, no, like, what are you doing? Like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, you are a fucking fraud if you do not make this shit happen. So <laughs> I remember, I mean, my hips, my legs, my knees, my ankles, my feet, everything was just destroyed and felt. I was in so much physical pain. And I was like having that honest conversation with myself and the pain that I felt from just having this imaginary conversation with everyone who believed in me was 10 times worse than all the physical pain I was feeling. And at that moment, I was just like, absolutely fucking not. And I'd rather fucking die. And I meant it. And I just started running and didn't stop and ended up crushing it. <laughs> so so that second 120, you, you crushed it. All right. So much to unpack there. And my mind now is, is like super wired in. So a couple things. One, I love how you talk about humility and confidence because a lot of people. Oh, that was the most humbling thing I've ever done. And, and I'm so, so thankful that I, I got a humility fucking just reality slap from life and god because <laughs> you, you had already you're talking about all these accomplishments that you and were... i had and i had viewed myself as you know somewhat of a humble person and i just wasn't i wasn't being humble i had like i was more like pretending to be but Ref, like reflecting, doing honest self-reflection at that time, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, like what an asshole. And I deserve, <laughs> I deserve to feel what I'm feeling right now. And, um, but yeah, and it, it was just such a valuable lesson and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And, and I, it made me such a better person from it. The way I, the framework that I leverage is this notion of humble in preparation and confident in performance. And there's another aspect to that, which is, and if your confidence gets challenged, where are you looking? And in that moment, you somewhere, you, you dug into this pride that you have, and you also sort of had this flash of like everything that you represent. And it wasn't ahead. really pride because like pr pride. It, it was more humility that drove me mm. and like, you know, it, it was, I, it was like almost like a punishment to myself. I, I don't know. Like quitting would have been the easy way out, you know? And, uh, I, I had to just suck it up and fucking do it. And, and I was humble every step I took after that, you know? But what allows you to not, there's one thing to do it. There's another thing to crush it. So w where does that shift from I'm surviving to thriving okay. happen? And I remember, I remember that, that, that day that I started running when I got to the end of that day, I mean, I beat everybody and, and everybody there knew how badly I was doing and I was by far the weakest link at the time and then went from worst to first 
And then when they all get the finish line, they're all looking at me like, what in the fuck happened? You know, and they don't understand it. And I'm like, neither do I. I <laughs> just something happened in me and and I just went I I you know and I knew that I knew that like our bodies are resilient I knew that human beings are resilient I knew that your body is capable of way more than you think it is because I have been through buds and hell week and things like that you know were you telling yourself that no I, so it was much more body than mind. Would, would that no, be accurate? It was all mind. For all right. Sure. So what's going on in the mind then? I just told you, like <laughs> that. That's what happened to me, and I just like you're nothing. I just su- like, surrendered to my mind and and not my physical pain. You know, I didn't care about my physical pain anymore. Do you disassociate I didn't care. from the physical pain? Or how no, it, I still felt it for sure, yeah. but it was like, you're alive, so keep going. You know, you're not dead yet, so keep going. So that would be what's going on in my mind. Keep going. Like, the- just keep going. I mean, and yeah, I just, I was willing to die. I was, I was willing to die. And, and I, and I just did it. Would you describe it as like, whatever it takes? All right. I'm at a point now where I'm going to do whatever it takes to. I just surrendered. I surrendered to my mind. Okay. I, I don't know. I really can't. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not doing no, a good, it's all good. good uh, job of describing or, or. What does surrendering to your mind look like? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just went. I just went and I didn't I didn't fully understand it. I didn't care to understand it. I didn't I knew I was hurting. I knew it hurt and I didn't care. I just was almost like I just completely zoned out and like was just accepting of whatever happened next. If my legs just snapped in half, cool. If I died, cool. Okay, so But I'm not going to quit. Okay, that so- that is what I fucking knew 100% was not an option. Okay, so anything else was an option but quitting. <laughs> Here's how I'm trying to make sense of it on my end because I wasn't in your shoes, so I'm just trying to get in them. Neither was I actually. <laughs> I was in uh, Iron Cowboy James Lawrence's uh, shoes that were two and a half sizes bigger. <laughs> literally, you're, you're like, literally, I, I literally wasn't in my, wasn't in my shoes either. You probably didn't help your <laughs> physical condition. Um, but what I'm hearing, and as I try to make sense of it, and there may not be sense to be made, but uh, I think it's good to try to reflect on it because that's where learning happens is you get to a point where you start thinking about the future, right? Well, what happens if I don't finish? Who does this impact? How does it impact? Yeah. And then you shift into much more the present, which is I guess it's, you know, maybe comes down to is the juice worth the squeeze, mm -hmm. you know, because that would have had drastically different, a, a drastically different outcome. My life would have, been in a drastic gone in a drastically different direction for yourself for myself and you know and same thing in buds if i would have quit buds because it was hard or whatever my life would be completely fucking different and if i would have quit on that that epic march that my life would be completely different today because i knew you know whether or not people that were following me kind of 
forgave me or or didn't think it was a big deal or whatever like oh well you know you could make excuses for this and that and justify things it doesn't fucking matter because i know you have to look at yourself in the mirror you fucking know whether or not you're you're full of shit or you're genuine or you know you're making excuses for yourself it doesn't fucking matter you know and I'm just the type of person, I'm, I'm fucking genuine. I'm real. I am real with myself. I'm hard on myself and I hold myself accountable. And I, there's no way I would have fucking, how the hell could I sell a shirt with mindset is everything? Don't be a pussy. You know, if I can't, practice what I preach or follow my own advice. And it just, so for me, it would have had a massive, you know, change or impact on my life. And it comes back to your code and how you see things. And for you being a fraud wouldn't work. No. And so in that moment, I know I can't be a fraud. I can't. Now I I don't have another option. I can't, I can't do that because, you know, I, I don't, I don't tolerate it in others, so I certainly am not going to tolerate it in myself. Why do you think people don't have that? Uh, Laziness. I think laziness, you know, we we all get the same 24 hours in a day. Everything we do, everything we accomplish, where people are in life comes down to choices, right? How you choose to spend your time and the effort that you want to give in something. You know, someone who is, I don't know, a a Navy SEAL. Like that person, they made the choice to spend their time, you know, training for that thing, facing that adversity, taking it on. Not, you know, you they're not looking for the easy route. They're doing what's necessary. And that's with anything, you know, someone who wants to be a lawyer, like they go to school, they put in the time, they put in the effort, they're choosing to spend their time that we're all allotted 24 hours in a day, you know, to, to, to do what they have to do in order to reach their goal. And you have to stay on that path, whatever it is that you want, and you have to sacrifice and you have to, you have to do it. I mean... How yeah. clear how clear was the vision or the end of the line or the you know when you're in that race how clear was the ending to you or were you just taking it step by step Oh my god man it was it it's 240 miles it, it's like walking from Virginia Beach to Baltimore <laughs> I mean and it was it was a uh, over 28,000 feet of elevation change it was all on cement and it was in May in, in the summer in Greece it was hot as hell and I was so ill-prepared. I had never done any sort of distance anything other than running in buds 10 years ago. You know, I did zero preparation for this because I'm like, oh, it's just walking. I, I walk every day. Wrong. <laughs> like, you didn't even have the right shoes. <laughs> no. I went in like my lacrosse shoes. <laughs> you know, it was just like sneakers, like whatever. And I had I, – I just was so – I didn't pay it any respect you know, and I was just so pumped up because it was, you know, retracing the steps of the Spartans who I had admired because of their warrior culture 
and just they were the hardest motherfuckers that this planet's ever seen. And, you know, I, I'm ultra aggressive, you know, I, I hate political correctness. I hate people who are super offended. Everything is so offensive, this and that. I hate people who are giant pussies. I just do. And it's just not who I am. Like, I feel like I was just born in the wrong era. I should have been a Spartan, you know? So it, and being like a Navy SEAL and, and that just held a, in an MMA fighter, you know, that just held like a certain, a certain place in my heart, you know, and to, to retrace the steps of them for the, you know, first time and be in there just literally on the same path they walked and it it was just so important to me i was so excited so but i didn't prepare for it at all you know and uh i paid the man big time but it was a good it was a great great lesson learned and like i said one of one of the hardest things if not the hardest thing i've ever done because of the lack of preparation and also one of the most impactful things in my life and i'm super grateful for the lesson so you have aggression in your life starting at a young age defending your younger brother. Um, yeah, I was really aggressive growing up and um my parents didn't discourage that in me and uh I'm super thankful for that. What's the downside of aggression? Um not everybody's like that, you know, and especially in our society today that's just getting softer and softer by the day. And um you know, it just yeah, it's like a bull in a china shop. Bull in a china shop. And I'm sure there have been consequences where the aggression. Uh, is there has there ever been a regret with the aggression? Mm, I'm sure there has. I can't really think of an example on the top of my head. Well, I use this phrase. You know, everyone says too much of anything can be a bad thing. For sure. And I also believe that nothing of something can be a bad thing, right? So too much aggression can be a bad thing. But if we have no aggression. You know, that can be a bad thing as well. I'm laughing because uh, Mitch's, Mitch's dog that's uh, hanging out with us just farted. So yeah, sorry. Way, to, way to lighten the mood, uh, Max. Max. Bad boy. <laughs> um, at least he didn't poop, so we're in good, we're in good shape. Um, all right, I want to shift gears a little bit, um, and I want to find out what it's like when you are in, in the SEALs, and you are on missions, and uh, mindset when you're in it, on a mission and mindset when you come back from a mission and mindset when you prepare for a mission. So I guess I should rephrase that in preparation. Uh, what is your mindset? Uh, I'm assuming you have the right size shoes on and, and, and you're ready to go, but mindset when you're preparing to go out mindset when you're out and then mindset when you come back. Um, so I would say, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to be, you know, the, the SEAL teams are structured very well in the sense like they they have very experienced leaders, you know. So and you learn you learn everything necessary um to do what you have to do. And um they're not they hold you at such a high like accountability, you know, and that you're not going to you're not going to be going on a mission if you're not ready and prepared and like if they can't trust you because that's it, it's 
it's required. You know, you need to depend on your teammate and that they they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You don't. I don't have time to worry about the guy to my left and right, and neither do they. And they all have specific things they're, you know, in charge of and doing. And and I don't question them. I don't doubt them. And that's and it's because of the preparation and how how accountable we hold each other, and uh, and just the the repetition of everything and over preparation, you know. And the you know the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. And uh, you know seals have a, a pretty good record, you know, in that sense. So one one out of ten, ten being you love it, one being you hate it. Just uh, grade the the preparation before a mission. Where how much did you love it? How much did you not love it? Um, I mean, it's just it's necessary. You know, it's necessary. It's a, it's a, it's not a game that you're playing, you know, and it's not a video game. Like when, if you do something overseas, you know, incorrect or whatever, it can have life or death consequences for you or your teammate. And, you know, that's, that's not something that you're going to take lightly. And it's not something that your, uh, people in charge of you are going to allow anyone to take lightly. It's different because from football the, the, in, le- in that way. the lessons are written in blood. Right. That's the difference That's between difference. like a football team, you know? Like, hey, yeah, we uh we didn't do this last time and we lost the game. Oh, you lost the game? Cool. That's you know, whatever. Like you lost a fucking game. Yeah, because we this you yeah. lose your life. Like the lessons yeah. are written in blood. That's that's why, you know, it's not tolerated to be anything but excellent yeah when you say like do your job the guy to your left your guy to your right if they don't they go away i right. mean it's it's n- it's not uncommon at all for someone to be deep into a career as a seal and to be removed from the seal teams so take me the the, the reflection part then because and i want to go back we'll go we'll hit on the perform the the mission or how i'm thinking about it as like the performance the execution that's actually necessary but if if i would assume there's a process at the end of it that analyzes what went wrong or what what didn't happen the right way. Yeah, of course you debrief. So, and so what was how how intentional or intense was debrief? I mean, extreme. Uh, everything is extreme because everyone is held accountable. You know, and there there's a reason you are you are like you're de- you're dependent on each other and you're expected to perform or, or you go away. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And then what's your mindset like when you're in a mission? Is it just do my job or is it something different than that? Me personally, um, I definitely wanted to do my job and not let the people around me down. You know, it's, it's one thing like if, if I did something stupid and got myself killed, like, okay, then that's on me. You know, I, I fucked up and I'm dead now. Okay. I couldn't imagine, you know, dropping the ball and getting one of my brothers killed because of my failure. And, and there's fear there, right? Like, fuck. Yeah. That's fear. That's, that's serious fear. And just, 
accountability and um and and it's like i said it the the consequences are serious life and death it, the lessons are written in blood like it's not it's not a game it's not a joke and it's a it's a very very serious thing <laughs> there's a common thread that i'll notice and i'll you know ping pong it back to you which is i mitch am going to be my own person and i'm going to find my own value system and and do things my way and i also care about the people that that care about me um or that i'm in this life with so you know i'm not going to quit buds because i am competitive and i have my own standards and i don't want to let those people that i said hey i'm going to do this down uh there's a thread in the seals which is like i'm going to do my job i care and i have an obligation and responsibility to make sure that they're you know i'm i'm not letting them down my younger brother hey you know i have an obligation to stand up and protect people and specifically take care of him um the spartan race you know i have an obligation to myself to not be a fraud and i also carry these followers on Instagram, which is how we started this conversation and make sure that I am inspiring them and I am, you know, living what I'm talking about. Uh, am I, does that click for you at all? Or do you disagree with anything mm, that I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I don't think there's one like set, you know, guideline or, or like code that, you know, I live by or something. I'm not fucking Batman, but like, uh, I, I learn. I'm continually learning and, and adapting and making necessary changes, um, you know, and I do that through self-reflection and honest self-reflection and, and lessons learned, you know, and, um, and like looking back at it in the SEAL teams, like I just, I, I, I for sure was not the best SEAL that I, I could have been like if had I gone through or, you know, knowing what I know now, and then if I would have started my journey, you know, day one, it would be night and day difference. I mean, just because I'm a different person I'm, and uh, way a lot more mature, a lot, a lot more uh, life experience. And uh, life has humbled me in many ways. And life has also, you know, I've, I've instilled a lot of confidence, you know, and all of it, all of it is, is helpful. You know, all of it is, is knowledge. All of it is experience and lessons learned, good and bad, you know. And as long as you learn from things and and reflect and, and make necessary changes, I, I feel like you're you're bound to improve. Leadership is something you touched on a little bit with the SEALs. But as you're talking, I'm thinking of the analogy that people use in leadership, which is when the airplane's going down, uh, the stewardess tells you to put your mask on first and then help other, you know, the children put their mask on. Um, what do you think about leadership? How do you think about uh, leadership? Do you consider yourself to be a leader? Yeah, I absolutely uh, consider myself to be a leader. And um, I think good leaders listen. I think good leaders uh, are humble and and by you know humble I don't mean like just downplay everything that they do or whatever. There's a difference between I, I hate it when people just fake humility. Yeah, they fake humility or they you know they're doing it on purpose. It's like no, you it's okay to be it's okay to to know what you're to be confident. It's okay 
you know, it's a fine line. And that's why I think some people would rather just play on the safe side of that. But at the same time, like, you don't want a leader who's just constantly like, ah, oh, no, I'm not that good, because then you don't have confidence in that guy or, you know, but unless, like, his actions just completely scream the other, the opposite, you know. But I, I've been super lucky, and I've had a, a lot of great leaders, Um to kind of learn from and emulate and uh and then i've had shitty leaders that you know i'm like i'll never fucking be like that guy what makes a bad leader someone who is uh that thinks they know everything you know you can't you can't talk to them and i i think nobody has all the answers no and and there's not just one perspective on something that is right or wrong or whatever and i think there's always you know you have to kind of look at things from from all angles and and assess and analyze and and you know go from see what see what works the best and and you know input from others like i'm one person i know one way or, or or a couple ways but 10 people, you know, that's 10 different experiences, that's 10 different perspectives. And yeah, one can be totally fucking ridiculous that everyone's just like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, you know, and that's fine. <laughs> but you might get something from someone like a like a new guy you know, or something. Let's like as a SEAL team for the SEAL teams, for example, you know, you have people like I went in at 18, right? So by the time I was 25, I was, uh, you know, somewhat of an experienced operator and you have new guys coming in. Some new guys are older than me. A lot of new guys of my new guys were older than me and they've had life experience and maturity and this and that. And if I was to just totally disregard that and just shut up new guy, you know, you don't know shit. Like that would be a bad leader. And, and I probably did do that, you know, in all honesty, because I was fucking not mature and not like as experienced in life and, you know, hadn't, you don't know what you don't know, you know, you learn it through experience. And, um, so I'm sure I've been a bad leader and, you know, I've like honest self-reflection has helped me correct those. Hopefully, you know, how do you do self-reflection? Do you write? Do you think about it? You journal, you talk to somebody, um, I, I talk with myself and, you know, have those hard, honest conversations with myself. And I'm curious, why did you crack up, uh, when, when I asked that question? Um, yeah, I plead the fifth. <laughs> there's something, there's something there that maybe... Yeah. Maybe I'll get them to talk about when the mics are off. You know, it's like you talk about, you know, honest. We're talking about honesty right now. Yeah, yeah. And you're not giving it to me. I'm pushing back a little bit on you. Well, you know. Um, maybe after maybe after this year, uh, some things will be legal and we can talk about them. And um, But, yeah, some things that might help with self-reflection. I don't know. All right. I think I, I, think I get a better sense there without completely – uh, cutting open the onion and, and peeling back all the layers. So I'll let the listeners just figure out what and make their own yeah, assessments whatever. of that. 
Um, meditation. We'll yeah. call it that. Well, okay. So tell me about meditation. Yeah. You know, you, know, you just got to have these honest, like I said, honest talks with yourself. And, you know, it, it's real easy for for people to write write what other people are saying off, you know, to 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 be closed minded, to to just yeah, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Or I was definitely in the right there. You know, they there's no way they could have been what they were saying was right and I and I was wrong. Like, you know, you have to take emotion out of it, I think. Like and So but you will pri- self pride is what fucking stops people from the other side of pride yeah the bad side of pride, ego ego and that's you know like those guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about like i do like they're full of shit and it's like well you have to listen like to what they're saying assess it and maybe what they are saying is is not accurate but on the flip side of that maybe some of it is so and uh like you'll, you'll just in- look at like your yourself and and what you're doing and hey am i doing like the best I can do, or is there something I could work harder here? Could I be nicer here? Could I, you know, be a little bit more compassionate? Can I, can I, you know, put a little more effort in this subject, whatever. And, and you just have to be honest with yourself. And like I said, like you look at yourself in the fucking mirror, you know, your, your deepest, darkest shit, you know, you're not fooling yourself. And, and those people that, and I think there are people that, that do fool themselves. And, there's there's no fucking helping those people. So you intentionally will create space for yourself to do that self reflection on a regular basis, hundred percent. And that's intentional. It's setting 100, time, hundred percent, and allowing yourself because you're in it. Because you know? I want to be the best version that I can be. I want to be the best Mitch that can possibly be. I know that I'm not that person now, and and you know I'm humble enough to know that. That I'm not shit, yeah. you know, and that I can be better and that there are people out there that are far better examples of everything imaginable than I am. Yeah. So and I, I got to look and <coughs> like learn from those people and try my hardest to apply it in my own life. And and that shit's hard sometimes, you know, a lot of times it's super hard and uh it's easy to to default back to what you know. It's easy to default back to shitty behavior. It's easy to to de- to default to that shit. So you have to work hard. And again, laziness, you know, will impact you on that. So you have to you have to be honest. You have to take action and and work hard. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna riff just a little bit, and then I, I want to find out about the next transition in your life, which is a which is a cool one. Um, but for me, the way I'm I think about it is like I'm a beginner, and I'm great at what I do, and I can be both of those. So I can believe <clears throat> that I'm great at what I do, and that I'm I'm still evolving. So the toggle between being and becoming, like I can be right here with you, and I can become. And I think a lot of times people just say focus on being or people just say focus on becoming. And I think blending both of those is essential to growth and to performance. Um, so I love the idea of 
being a beginner and being an expert. And if you can toggle both of those and blend the bo- both of those, that's important. The other thing that I love that you're talking about is just intentionally creating space to self-reflect because a lot of people are on a hamster wheel and they're just constantly going, constantly going. And they might be having quote unquote success, but they might not be evolving and they might yeah, not be improving. If you're not growing every day, then you're not succeeding in my book. I mean, you could be, yeah, you're successful and this and that, but if you're done learning, like you're losing. Awesome. Like the idea of a, <clears throat> of being a lifelong learner and constantly evolving, uh, often the more successful the people that I'm around and how you define success is up to you, but they are obsessed with lifelong learning and, and that constantly learning. And, and that's comes and that's humility, you know? If if you don't have the humility, then you can't, you won't grow. And I love how you interplay confidence, right? And also you have to have the confidence that when you're in the arena, you're ready. You know, well, you, you know, you've humbled yourself. In and, the you ha- and you have to have some faith too. And, and confidence in yourself. Like you have to take a leap of faith sometimes. Like you, and you have to be willing to fail. And you can't, like I said, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. But you have to be willing to fail. Like, Every time I I step into the octagon, I'm I'm willing to fail. I I don't go in there thinking I'm going to fail. I don't go in there scared of failure or anything. I mean, I think there's a there's a little bit of maybe mm, healthy nervousness or whatever because you don't know the fear of the unknown, you know, and that's or I should say anxiety. Because that's always the worst part of anything I've ever done. That's like a challenge. The anxiety of the unknown. Like, but as soon as you do it, as soon as you're doing it, you're there. You're like, oh, okay. This is, I can do this. When does the anxiety go away for you? Okay. So Hell Week. Yeah. Hell Week and Buds is like the, the scariest shit imaginable for someone who wants to be a Navy SEAL. Like that is the massive failing point. That is the massive chopping block. And for those of you who don't know what Hell Week is, it's it's the you start it on the third week of first phase. So at that point, like you're all you've already gone through a shitload of shitty stuff <laughs> to get just to get to Hell Week. And then Hell Week starts on, you know, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, evening ish. You know, you don't really know when. It can just start anytime. And then it goes till fall, uh, Friday afternoon. And you, and in that time, you are completely wet, freezing cold, sandy head to toe. You're running over 100 miles with a with this big ass inflatable fucking heavy boat on your head, and it you know you're sandy and it rubs a bald spot on your head, and and you know you're doing log PT with telephone poles. It's just nonstop go, and you get a two hour nap on Wednesday and a one hour nap on Thursday. That's it. Do you know that going into it? Yeah, everyone knows that going into it, and and you see you see guys who are so physically prepared and so, you know, there was so guy, so many guys that I saw and I was like, damn, this dude already looks like a seal, you know, like he's for sure going to make, Oh, he just quit. <laughs> you know? So you're like, what the fuck? And then guys, some guys who you're like, Oh, this guy's going to quit for sure. 
makes it all the way through. So, I mean, but it, it's- Why do you think you don't know- Mental. In, yeah, so you can't see it? You can't see- you can't see somebody's mental toughness. Mm. You can't see what they're willing to endure, what their heart is. And like, you know, guy, you can look at their exterior and like, yeah, okay, that guy's in good shape. He might have it physically easier, but everyone's heart is different, you know? And, and how people handle adversity is different as well. And that's something that you see a lot in like people who have never faced adversity they've always crushed the competition they've always you know been the stud athlete or whatever so and 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 buds you're not going to win like there is no winning buds there's no Surviving. beating buds it's 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 designed great in in order for its purpose what it is it's to weed out the the weak the mentally weak and physically weak it is not a place and it's, and it's not saying that you're a bad person or anything but you're not meant for this job so anyway but hell week that like going back to the anxiety and the fear of the unknown or whatever hell week was my obsession i got obsessed with the challenge of hell week i didn't give a fuck about being a navy seal honestly like it was the the challenge of becoming one when do you start thinking about hell week immediate uh, well the moment i knew i had to well first of all i didn't know i had to go to buds when i signed up to be a seal i was just like okay cool whatever the guy was like oh yeah they're like the 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 all-stars of the military blah blah and and my mom was like well you know if you were going to do anything i I could see you being a seal and i was (laughs) like okay i'll sign up for that so and then my dad's like you know you have to go to buds right and i'm like oh what the hell's that and he he got me the documentary uh, Discovery Channel, and we had to and we watched this documentary and everything. And I was like, "Oh fuck, I have to do all that. That doesn't sound fun." And Hell Week, especially, I was like, "Whoa, that's that's pretty fucking gnarly," you know, hearing about that. And uh, do you think the people that you were doing it with thought you were you were never going to make it? I'm positive that there was a lot of people that thought that. Um, you know, I'm positive of that. They would tell you? Uh, sometimes, but I mean, I, I was also pretty vocal about like, I was a realist, you know, like, hey, say 90 fucking percent of people or, ni- or 90 plus percent of people fail. So there ain't, not all of us are going to be here. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to be one of them or, you know, or, or I might quit myself. I don't fucking know. You don't know what you don't know. Like, mm-hmm. and I was real about it. And, and that wasn't really, you know something people wanted to hear but that was different than how a lot of people who probably in their mind man said, there this was is the there dream. was fucking people in boot camp talking about what seal team they were going to go to and this and that and i'm thinking like you fucking idiots like we're not even we're not even anywhere near that yet like and we're we're all about to face this thing that 90 percent of us are going to fail so quit counting your chickens before they hatch you know what i'm saying like uh and and I just thought it was silly that like people were saying that shit and what <laughs> whatever that it ended up playing out to be that. And I think in my boot camp division, there was like eighty of us or something like that, and two of us ended up making it. Wow! So I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. But anxiety. You were talking about anxiety. So anxiety, like Hell Week, became the obsession. Like that was my 
my goal was to like, I got to get through hell week. Cause I'm not worried about shit past hell week. Like if I can get through hell week, I can get through the rest of the training. So hell week became like the focus and everything before hell week. I was like, you know, it wasn't even a thought about quitting. You know, I didn't give a fuck what we did because we're not doing hell week right now. So, and, and hell week is the challenge. So whatever you're doing beforehand, like I'm not going to quit because I'm already set my mind to to take on hell week. So, and I mean, I had to go through a, a lot, a lot of shit before we even got there. So, but anyway, finally get to hell week. Fast forward, we're, we're getting ready to start breakout and you're sitting in these tents and on these cots and you're just waiting. At this point, how many people get that far? Oh shit. At that point, like easily 150 people have already quit, you know? And, uh, I mean, I, I remember sitting in there and just being so fucking nervous. Like, so just so I understand the numbers shit, of this, it's actually here. let's just say 150 estimate, whatever. And then how many people are in hell week with you? Oh man, we started hell week with. Man, I think we started Hell Week with a hundred and something, and we graduated with 42. And then you said the number two earlier. What was that in reference to? Oh, uh, so previous to that, um, I mean, there's there's attrition, the whole pipeline. You you do like boot camp, and so we, had a, special, we had a special ops division, or guy, all the guys that were going to uh, a special ops candidates. And then, you know, all those quit and then you get to buds and there's a whole new crop of people who have, you know, been there before or, or coming at the same time. And, and then you, know, you class, you class up and, and those are huge numbers, you know, upwards of 200, 300 people sometimes, you know, and, um, and then they, they, they like section off like a, a group. Okay. You're this class and then you start going and then people get injured, people get rolled, you know, and so it's a whole mixture of people, but and when they quit, they're not quitting the military. They're just no, quitting they're, seals. Yeah, they're quitting. They're quitting the training at the training for seals, and then they go to the regular navy. Okay, got it. Um, but yeah, so make it through all of that stuff, and yeah, I remember talking to my dad on the on the phone before we started, and uh, you know. I don't, I honestly, I don't think my dad like thought that I would be that, you know, even there or, you know, and, but I was there and, and I was getting ready to start hell week and, and I remember him talking to me and he was like, all right, Mitch, well, he goes, I don't want to hear a phone call from you this week. And he goes, I want to hear a phone call from you on Friday. And I just want you to, to call and say, dad, I made it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. And, uh, I remember going in the tents and just waiting for for it to start and the anxiety of just like holy fuck what does that like, feel like this is it was just i was just so nervous man like i didn't know what to expect i i i was just like this is this is what all this the 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 tales the stories like oh my god i'm about to experience it like what's gonna happen is satan about to like pop out of the sand and fucking beat our ass or what's going on? You know, I'm, I'm like so nervous. And then like, I remember just like, just, I want it to start. Like, let's just fucking go. And then it started. And then I remember just being like, kind of like, 
holy fuck, you know, and it's happening, it's happening. And, and people were quitting like based or, you know, just from the anxiety alone. I remember people quitting before it even started. And then as soon as it started, people quit because they were just like, fuck this. Like, it's just like, it just overwhelmed them, you know, the, the anxiety. But for me, did they help you or did you have any tools or techniques to manage that? No, you're just, you're, you're who you are, what you are. Yeah. We're, we're going to see what you got. <laughs> yep. It's not, <laughs> Buds, isn't, not doing breathing Buds isn't or meditation. Designed, Buds is not designed to encourage you to get through it. It's the opposite. Got it. You know, it's a weeding out thing. So, but I remember just, uh, as soon as it started, I, I was like running around. I was a little bit like, just like, holy shit, it's, it's I can't believe it's happening. And then after about a minute or two, you know, I saw the same instructors that I've been seeing and we're getting wet, you know, and Sandy and they're making us do pushups and bear crawling and they're shooting guns and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is the same exact shit that I've been doing for a fucking month. Like, okay, this ain't, this ain't bad. I can do this. And then like the moment that I like realized that I got like the biggest fucking smile on my face and and I just knew that I was like, okay, it's nothing different. It's just long. And I just, I was so overcome with like, like joy and, and just like sense of accomplishment, even like a minute into hell week. Cause I knew without a doubt, I'm not fucking quitting and I'm going to reach my goal. And I know that like on Friday, I'm going to call my dad and say dad i made it and i remember like going through hell week i it was literally one of the best weeks of my life because you can imagine setting a goal for yourself that is seemingly impossible especially to others not really yourself but setting that goal and then reaching it and you know accomplishing it and I knew I wasn't there yet. I knew it was going to happen Friday, but I knew I was going to fucking be there. So I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't be more excited and I couldn't be more happy and like feel more fulfillment than I did. So it was literally like one of the best weeks of my life and I fucking crushed it. Mm. And, and like, I couldn't wait to like pick up the phone on Friday and call my dad and I, and I called him and he already knew I made it because, you know, it was Friday. And, and he said, hello. I said, dad, I made it. And he, and he went, yeah. And like, was all excited and proud. And like, that was just like, that was worth everything, you know? And, uh, goes back to the, um, uh, original, how we started this conversation of when you're on Instagram and some, someone writes you something and just gives you that, Hey, I know I'm doing good stuff, but then when I get to share it with somebody, uh, it's also special. Yeah, for sure. I mean, helping people. Helping people feel that feeling is awesome because I know what that feeling is. I've experienced it myself and helping others being, being a part of helping them feel that is incredible. Like it's awesome. I love the notion of that was one of the best weeks of my life because it speaks to happiness and how happiness and pleasure are very different. 
Um, because I'm sure it wasn't pleasurable when you have cold and sand and all that, <laughs> but there's a level of happiness because you no, know. But, and that yeah. goes back to like when I talked about, uh, with roofing, you know, it was hard, it was hard, hot, dirty fucking work. You know, it wasn't comfort is not your friend. It, it can be, but it's it too much comfort is for sure not your fucking friend. It's a liar. And uh, like I said, there there's – and people can test this. You think I'm full of shit? Lay on your fucking couch all day in the comfort com- – you know, air conditioning, play video games all fucking day. Do that for a week. Do that for a fucking week and don't do a goddamn thing other than that. Depression. And then go like set a goal, a hard goal that takes a week and fucking work your ass off and reach that goal. Tell me, tell me if you feel better at the end of that week of sitting on the fucking couch or reaching your goal. I mean, even if it's a a super hard, physical, sucky road, you're going to feel 10 times better in that state than, than on the couch. Awesome. So 10 years in the seals, why leave? And, and then tell us about the next chapter. Uh, and I think you started fighting even when you were, you were still in the seals, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did my first, uh, fight competitively in 2012. Um, and I never intended on fighting as a career. Or yeah, what got you into uh, mixed martial arts. <laughs> I was just super aggressive and, uh, somebody tap you on the shoulder and be like, Hey man, you might want to try this or, Oh yeah. I was told, um, <laughs> to join a gym, but I, I, I had, you know, I'd always been a protective person, like I said, growing up and, and that, that, and I'd fought my whole life and, um, that kind of carried over into the SEAL teams, you know, being with my brothers there and, and we go out and shit like that. And, uh, you know, guys are stupid and the whole, we're, we're a bunch of good looking tatted up guys with, you know, with money and we're coming in the, to these random towns and in bars and, you know, the, the local alpha male there doesn't like that these, you know, these new lions are running around pissing on bushes. So, you know, a lot of scuffles end up happening and, uh, that's just how it is. And, and I, I've always been, I'm not, I'm never, ever going to start a fight in the sense, like I'm not a bully. I bully bullies and I've always been extremely protective and, and aggressive. So like if someone messed with someone I was with, that's game over. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm attacking you with everything I have. And, um, it happened quite a bit and, uh, was recommended to me by, you know, some of my leaders and stuff like, Hey, maybe you should join, uh, gym or something you know fight gym and um get some of this rage and i'm like it's not it's you know i'm not mad or anything i'm just how i am but whatever yeah i'll join gym so i joined a gym and started uh you know training and competing and i and i really enjoyed that and and then you know i heard about this this fight league and i was like fuck yeah i'll do a fight league like can fight and not get in trouble like (laughs) hell yeah so I did that and I just did it as a hobby just to have fun and fight. I love fighting. I mean, like the, just the fighting to me, there's, there's nothing better than it, especially if it's like someone who deserves like, like a bully, like fucking up a bully or someone who is, who is 
inflicting pain or or shittiness on onto someone else who's weaker or whatever dude i nothing is more satisfying than beating the fuck out of that person but that's just me but you don't necessarily get that in in mixed martial no, arts do you no not at all but it's it's fun too still <laughs> you know like and in in martial arts and mma i'm the complete opposite with that i don't have that mindset um I, I'm not a shit talker. I don't like the unsportsmanlike. I, I think, honestly, in my opinion, you know, I think that they should start implementing uh, unsportsmanlike conduct fines in MMA. You know, all these these people that get in in the weigh-ins and you know, c- like Conor McGregor's recent shit, all that stuff. It, it's just like to me, it's unnecessary, completely unnecessary, and. I get it. Fighting's a weird sport, you know, because you're actually inflicting pain on each other and and some people need to be mad at that person to do it. I don't. I mean, you know, you and I are having this podcast right now, but if you want to fight, like we can fight and I and I'll have a smile on my face the whole time, I'm not an ounce of mad, you know. What do you tap into or where do you go to when when you're fighting someone? Uh just it's fun to me. Yeah, it's fun. I don't get mad. I don't. What's fun? Is it how you physically feel adrenaline or like, I like the competitiveness of it. And I like the warrior, you know, side of it. I, I animalistic. I, yeah. Like, like com- combat, like, I don't know. There's gladiator you shit. You know, it's, it's awesome, man. We're fucking men. And like, anxiety. Uh, you were talking about it. Do you get anxiety before you step in, uh, in the cage? So I think a little bit of anxiety, like I said, it's, it's the, the unknown. Um, for me, the worst part of fighting competitively now is when I sign up for a fight and it's eight weeks away. That's the worst fucking part to me. I would much rather just show up to the venue and, all right, cool, let's fight. Like I'd much rather just fight somebody on the spot. You know, I, w- I don't want to know anything about them. I don't want to think about, like, what could happen or this or that. And that's why I don't study footage on people. I don't come up with a game plan. My game plan has always been I'm going to punch this person as hard as I can in the face. <laughs> like, I'm going to attack them with everything I have. And and that's it. And, uh, you know, because people are unpredictable. And they, they I've seen that. You know, you can tell someone to do something and you got it, got it. And then they do the com- you know complete opposite. People are just weird; they're unpredictable, especially in fights, you know. And uh, like in my last fight, I fought a guy who was a pro boxer, so I I was pretty sure that he was gonna want to throw punches with me. And then st- as soon as we started exchanging punches, he was like, "Nah, fuck that! I'm <laughs> gonna take this guy down," you know. So and so like you can have a plan, but. It, if it doesn't go according to plan, then what? And then you're focused on that? Like, I, no, it's just not for me. I just, it's a fight, man. You're going to go in there and fight. Different than the SEALs where you're doing all this preparation and all this well, training. Well, even the then, I mean, shit doesn't go according to plan. You come up with a plan and you try, you, you know, plan your dive, dive your plan, but shit happens, you know? And sometimes you got to be flexible and, and call an audible. And that's, that's some of the best things I've seen go down, you know, is, you know, a poor plan executed properly, you know? 
and the business. So you start this clothing line. When did you start that? And what's that all about? Yeah, I started that in 2017, March of 2017 was our launch. And, um, so it originally started, uh, the whole reason I even started like my Instagram and everything was because I was competing in jujitsu, uh, like every weekend and those jujitsu tournaments are like a hundred dollars each. And, um, you know, but I, I loved them and I, I was competing in them and I was paying for myself and, you know, I was winning a lot of them and, and I was fighting and I was winning and fighting and doing well. And, um, and a friend had suggested to me, like, yeah, I, I think I was bitching to him, like, damn, I got, I want to do this tournament with another hundred bucks. And he was like, why don't you get some sponsors? And I was like, you think people will sponsor me? And he's like, yeah, man. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I called some people and it was like simple as that. Like, hey, this is me. This is what I'm about. You want to sponsor me? And they're like, okay. And I was like, wow, that was easy. I can compete in this tournament. Sweet. <laughs> and, uh, so I started doing that like over and over and, and then, you know, I'm up on the podium taking a picture with like this hat and then like switch my shirt and then take a picture with that. And I created like an Instagram. I had six followers and I was like, you know, posting pictures like, but I was like, well, it's going to look really dumb if I'm posting like five pictures with five different t-shirts on and the same thing. It's just, it's just not it didn't feel right to me, you know? And I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll create one shirt and I'll put all the sponsors on the back. And I was like, well, if I'm doing that, then I can sell the shirts too. That's the entrepreneur in me, you know, like I can get sponsorship money from them. Then I can make these shirts and sell the shirts. And so I started doing that. And then a lot of people started buying the shirts, you know, just like friends and family and stuff. And I was like, that's cool. And it was get it would make me like excited to see them wearing it. And then, uh, I started to gain a little bit of popularity on Instagram, you know, like random people that I didn't know started following me. And I was like, Oh wow, that's cool. And then like, they wanted a t-shirt and I was like blown away. Like, Whoa, this, some dude in Kentucky wants to wear my shirt. Like, are you serious? Like, okay, cool. So I just would send them a shirt. Like It was all through direct message. You know, they would send me their address. I'd send them a shirt and then on good faith, like hope they send me some money back <laughs> for the shirt. And, and that I did that for probably my first 150 shirts. Wow. And, uh, and then, you know, I was like, all right, something's gotta, I gotta come up with a better method here. And, um, and then my friend Giovanni Ruffin, he he's a former NFL player. He owns a gym in Virginia Beach um, called Take No Days Off. And um, super, super awesome guy. And he started a clothing line as well. Um, and uh, he helped me like tremendously get like all the lessons learned, you know, from starting his and was just he really showed me the ropes and uh and I came up with a couple designs for t-shirts. Oh, well, let me back up. So my fight name is the Smashing Frog. And and I don't know if you've seen my my logo for that, but yeah. it's like a people think it's a ninja turtle, like <laughs> smashing, you know, and uh this has got a big green frog on the front of their shirt. So like people were wearing them to my fights and stuff like that. And every once in a while people would like wear them to the gym or something. It wasn't a shirt that you could like or that a lot of people would just wear 
for like a fashion statement or something. You know what I mean? And I really enjoyed seeing people wear the shirts because I was like, oh, so cool. So I was like, well, you know, a lot of people like, like tell me I inspire them or motivate them with fitness and stuff. And, and I, and I was saying mindset is everything. And, uh, so I was like, well, maybe I'll throw that on a t-shirt and like, and come up with a couple of different designs. Cause I, I have a little bit of artistic ability in me, you know? So I created a couple designs that I thought were cool and, um, and launched all of them initially and they all sold out like right away and i just was like floored i was like wow this is crazy and um giovanni had helped me set up like a way more efficient system as far as like you know with shopify and people can go online and just like put in their information automatically and then i just print out the label so that was like night and day from what i was doing you know it was like it it, it was like uh freaking telegraph versus iphone you know i was like this is awesome so um launched that and it it just went and you know my followers on instagram have been super like supportive and and like they they've just been super supportive the whole the whole time from start to finish and um and i've you know, I do a lot of like live streams and things like that. I interact with my following, um, you know, almost daily. And a lot of them have been with me from the beginning and watched this whole process and been a part of the journey with me. So it's super cool. And, um, yeah, and the, the MASF, the brand has just grown to, to what it is now. And, you know, Kyle Maynard just, um, you know, came out, came on board as one of the owners now too. So he's, he's a part of the brand and, and, you know, our whole motto is mindset is everything. And Kyle Maynard, for those of you guys who don't know, is, uh, you know, born quadriplegic, multiple world record holder, uh, you know, climbed, bear crawled up Iconcagua, Count Mount Kilimanjaro, Wrestling Hall of Fame, all this kind of shit. So he's like a walking in body of the message. So, and you know, I feel like that brings brings more credibility to the brand itself. And, you know, me continually pushing myself and and taking on new challenges and everything um, also adds credibility to it. And, uh, you know, I've seen so many people that just do one hard thing. Like I've seen seals that just go through buds and that's it for them, you know, and they, they just kind of coast the rest of the time. And, and that's just not me. That's just, you know, for me, like, like we talked about with the, you know, what's the next chapter or this or that, like, why did I get out at 10 years in the seal teams? Like, the SEAL teams for me was an awesome journey. It was an awesome challenge. It was an awesome experience. I worked with incredible people and, you know, I'm extremely grateful and happy to have contributed in the small way that I did, you know, and, um, but that is just one chapter. It's just one accomplishment in my life, you know, and I'm ready I did that for 10 years. I'm ready for something new. Like, and, uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, Ryan Williams, and he had, we were talking about it because he had also got out and he's an entrepreneur and has, has been very successful outside of the teams. And, you know, we were talking about it and he's like, you know, when, when you climb a mountain, you, you, you get up to the top, you, you, you take, you take in that, that whole climb, that journey 
you get up to the top, you look around, you, you enjoy the view, you take some pictures, but you don't fucking build a house up there. You climb that, you climb down and you fucking go climb another mountain, you know? So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to continue to climb mountains and continue to push myself and accomplish more things and add to the chapters of the book of my life. Awesome. So I want to just give you a platform to obviously promote the clothing line. Where can people find it? Where they can, where can they buy stuff? You're big on Instagram, so give us your Instagram handle, all that good stuff. Yeah, my Instagram handle is at Mitch underscore Aguiar, M-I-T-C-H underscore A-G-U-I-A-R. Or you can look up Smashing Frog, not smashing, no G, Smashing Frog, and uh, I'll pop up. So that's my Instagram. And then uh, my clothing line is Massive Apparel, M-A-S-F Apparel dot com awesome mitch we could go on and on yeah. uh but i'm getting hungry i think max is probably gonna take a shit <laughs> i think max is probably gonna ruin my office um but i truly appreciate you coming in and and spending time and the last thing i'll say is right before we turn on the mics you said something to me well you don't have to do anything in, in regard to something we were talking about and you didn't have to do this in, uh interview or this conversation so i'm just really grateful that you took the time and uh, i love the complexity of how you think about the world and this notion that you still have a lot of chapters left in your life and you're going to write your own story. So uh, excited to share you with the world. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for, uh, you know, having me on and, and wanting to listen to what I have to say, because who am I? <laughs> but well, and, I really appreciate it. And now that I think of it, and since you have built this Instagram platform, I have to, I guess, give out my Instagram, which is intentional underscore performers. And then my Twitter is at Brian Levinson. But I always forget to do that. And my producer yells at me. And uh, well, I'll be I'll be promoting <laughs> this podcast from my platform and, awesome. and hopefully, uh, you know, get some more um, followers on your Instagram. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode gem. I think confidence is instilled over time through uh, overcoming adversity. You know, the harder the harder something is, and you get through it and get to the other side, that that's what instills confidence. And the and the more you do things like that, you take on these challenges. The it just it just compounds, and you use your previous accomplishment, and you remember that those things that the feelings you had and what pushed you to keep going and and you use it in the uh you know in your next challenge <laughs>